right, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord on a wonderful Sunday morning. Really excited. Uh, I, I look forward, I say this every Sunday and I mean it, uh, I love worshiping with the saints in the household of God. Uh, there's something uh, sacred and mysterious that happens when we all come together and we lift up the name of Jesus. We commune with one another. We look at the word and we pray uh, where God does something in like an hour and a half that, 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 that can't happen. Uh, it doesn't happen the same throughout the week. And so sometimes we feel like we sit in here and it's like, oh man, took a lot of sacrifice to come into this place this morning, wrangling the kids together or just trying to wake up. And it feels like uh, it takes a lot of time to be present. And I think that's a sacrifice that the Lord honors and that the Lord really blesses. And that our sacrifice and being present and coming to worship is not one that's done in vain, but the Lord really, really honors that and I believe that this morning uh, you will experience transformation. Uh, I really believe that this morning you will experience breakthrough, that this morning you will experience joy, you will experience hope, you will experience peace, you will experience life. Why am I so confident? Because Jesus is in this room. And when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Everything will be different. And so from that place, from that posture, I'm excited to look at the Word of God. We are uh, in our uh, series called uh, For Everyone, New Life on Mission. And we've been making our way through this small book called Ephesians uh, that the Apostle Paul, the early church leader, wrote to a community of faith that was really centered in a faithless society. Uh, Ephesus was the capital of all sorts of uh, dark spiritual practices where everyone worshipped anything and everyone except God. And Paul is strategically positioned in this place proclaiming that there's actually good news. Uh, there's a God whose love is so great and so kind and so redemptive and so purposeful that when you bow down to him, that when you give your life to him, you actually come alive. And all these other idols that you're bowing down to, he calls false gods, uh, that they don't give you life, they actually rob you of life. And Paul is in this community encouraging the people with this great grand vision of who God is and what he's done, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, Jesus is real, that he loves you, uh, that he saved you, that he's rescued you, that he's transferred you from death unto life in him. But he doesn't want us to just sit on the sideline. He invites us to participate in following Jesus together being on mission together. And we've sort of been unpacking this idea that, that being on mission uh, looks like leveraging our life to make much of Jesus, building our life around Jesus in our place of work, in our family, uh, exuding and embodying the values of Christ, humility, gentleness, love, and patience, walking with the power of the Spirit, being rooted and grounded in love. And Paul's famous, uh, this author, uh, Paul loves to just give a ton of reasons for why we should follow Jesus and why we should be on mission. Uh, but there's one reason um, in, scattered throughout the New Testament that Paul mentions that is one we sort of ignore, one we really don't give much attention to. Uh, this reason is, is a commodity that we all think we have plenty of, but we're losing and can never get back. And it's time. Paul is giving us this, uh, the, the portion of scripture that we're going to look at today. Paul is saying, hey, make, make the best use of your time. 
you and I know this, that our, our, our days are numbered, that life is short. And what Paul is going to show us in this text, what the Word of God is going to reveal, is that the best use of our time is not living for ourselves. The best use of our time is not building empires that display, look how awesome I am and look at all of my accomplishments. Rather, the best use of our time is following Jesus and building our life around him. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I want to invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. If you're joining us online, uh, thank you so much for worshiping with us. I invite you to stand with us and let's honor the reading of God's word together. Verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. With the remaining time uh, we have together, I have one really simple uh, big idea, and it's this. Walking with the triune God is the best use of our time. Walking with the triune God is the best use of our time. And I have two points if you're taking notes. Uh, Two ways to walk. One, unwisely, and two, wisely. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and active, that, that it speaks to us. Though we find ourselves thousands of years removed from when Paul first penned these letters, they still speak to the depths of our heart and to the place we find ourselves today because it is inspired and breathed by your spirit. So, Lord, I pray that you would come breathe on us, that you would come fill us with your spirit, with your power, and with your presence. And as you breathe on us, would we experience life? Would we experience joy? Would we experience your peace and your provision and unity? Lord, help us to be wise with our time this morning. Help us to lean in to this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, we're going to make our way through this portion of Scripture verse by verse and kind of stop and look at some words and then uh, tie it all in together at the end and see how it speaks to our day-to-day lives. So verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. We're going to pause there and and revisit this word walk. This word is all over the book of Ephesians. Last week I talked about walking with my hyper-independent son and and we talked about walking with Jesus and, and And uh, this word is all over this book, and it's an important word because Paul is trying to reinforce this idea, uh, an idea that we forget, is that when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, you no longer walk into the everyday stuff of life independently. Rather, you're walking with someone and for someone. And oftentimes we can forget that because it feels like we go into the grocery store by ourselves. We go into the classroom by ourselves. We parent by ourselves and we forget that there is somebody with us and in us. And it's this word that Paul uses over and over and over again. Look carefully how you walk. Walk as children of light, not as children of darkness. Uh, Consider the way you used to walk and now walk in the way uh, that is worthy of your calling. Because there's this temptation that we all face, that we forget who we're walking with and who we're walking for. 
And Paul reminds us uh, that, that that walk is, is more than just taking these steps and uh, 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 setting your direction somewhere. Rather, walking means a manner of living, a, a way of life, your everyday conduct and your everyday behavior uh, in all areas of life. And when the Bible talks about walking, especially in the Old Testament, uh, there's a few ideas that come up. Now, the first idea I want to discuss is walking with. We see this all over the Old Testament, walking with. For example, Genesis 5.22, Enoch walked with God, uh, and he was not, for God took him. Uh, the, the, he didn't really die. God just took him with him, and he ascended into heaven. E- Enoch walked with God. Moses walked with God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob walked with God. It's this idea that there's partnership. There's awareness of who you are with. Uh, another example is Leviticus 26, 12. And I will walk among you and you uh, will, and I will be your God and you shall be my people. I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. This idea that when God rescues his people, uh, that when God enters into relationship with them, he is walking with them. He is among them. The other idea that we see scattered throughout the Old Testament is walking in. So walking with somebody, but also walking in, walking in the ways of the Lord. We see this in Deuteronomy 5.33. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. The idea is that God has called us to a certain standard of living and we are to walk in that standard. And what's so amazing about this standard is that it's not oppressive. It's actually life-giving that when God says, when you walk in my ways, it will go well for you and you shall live, God is not a liar. Uh, God actually has intended for us to experience life, uh, the highest quality of life, when we walk in his ways. Because any other way of walking in is disobedience. It's apart from being in union with the life giver. And it leads to all sorts of death and destruction. First uh, Kings eleven thirty eight. Another example. And if you will listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes, keeping my statutes and my commandments as David, King David, my servant, did, I will be with you, and you will build you and, and will build you a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you, that there's this great sacred joy and fruit that comes with walking with God and walking in his ways. But the scriptures tell of another way of walking, walking in evil. And this is all over the book of Kings. Uh, for example, 1 Kings twenty-two fifty-two through 33. This is one example of a dozen. Uh, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father. This is uh, Ahaziah. He's a two-year king. Uh, and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal, the, the dark demonic gods of idols of that day and age, and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. And this is the idea here that if you're not walking in the ways of the Lord, you're walking in the ways of someone or something. 
And this man walked in the ways of his father, and his father walked in the way of all sorts of idolatry and pagan practices that led to, the, to all sorts of uh, destruction and hurt and pain in this nation. 2 Kings 15, 37, here's another example, another king, Ahaz. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, plural. This is the way the other kings led the nation. Uh, my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, his father, they walked in evil. Ahaz burned his son as an offering to Baal, according to the despicable practices of the nation, whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And it's this idea that, that our life is formed, is influenced, it's shaped by who we walk with and the experiences we've walked in. Your life, your life is formed and influenced and shaped, not randomly, not disorderly, rather very intentionally by who you walk with and the experiences you've walked in. Uh, This isn't new information, church. You, You know this to be true. It's like the old quote says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And we know that to be true in our life. The people that we spend the most time with, the people that we commune with and live with, we we pick up their mannerisms, we pick up their attitudes, sometimes uh, the most redemptive ones, sometimes not the most redemptive ones. And you think about the things that that you do and the things that you, you practice, where did they come from? Who introduced you to it? Where did it start? It's this idea that none of us in this room are born with a clean slate. We're not this hard drive that's ready to be programmed and input information so that we can, you know, uh, become this sort of type of person. Rather, we're all born with the experiences that some of us have inherited from the generation before us. Some of us have experienced because of the people or family that we walk with and the experiences we walked in. You are the average of, of the five people you spend the most time with. And I would take it one step further. You're the average of the five things you spend the most time with. The five things you spend the most time with, the shows that you watch, the websites that you visit, the apps that you give all of your time and your attention to, you know this, are shaping us, are rewiring our brain, are creating these neural patterns of addiction where we just can't get enough Facebook. Just can't get enough likes. Just, I don't know how that YouTube algorithm just knows what I want to watch. And I'm just there for hours. I'm not a woodworker, but I love these woodworking videos. How does it know that? And I start thinking like a woodworker, and I start noticing woodworking everywhere. It's forming us. It's shaping us. It's putting this lens over our life through which we interpret and see everything. And some of it's good. Some of it's purposeful. Other of it, uh, it doesn't stand with the mission in the kingdom of God. And instead of creating a life of flourishing, we're experiencing all sorts of anxiety and depression and all sorts of pain because of what we see and what we're watching that doesn't line up with our life. The idea is that whoever we are with and whatever we are in has the power to form us, has the power to shape us, has the power to disciple us, to either become more like Jesus or more like whatever we're giving ourselves over to. 
So when we walk, it's intentional. When we walk, it's purposeful. When we walk, it's not random movements or direction. Rather, we're moving towards the thing that capture our heart and make us feel alive, make us feel hopeful, make us feel joy and peace. And the good news of the kingdom of God is that while all those other things that we walk with, maybe relationships that disappointed you that have fallen through, maybe feeling unsatisfied time and time again after going through your social media cycle. Those things are momentary, but there's a peace available for you. There's a joy and satisfaction available for you that will all outlast all these things, uh, all, outlast all the things that this world has to offer. A love so great that when our heart is captivated by it, we are transformed and experience more and more life. And what Paul is going to show us is that we are moving in a direction, whether you know it or not, towards God or away from God. And so he's saying, look carefully, examine yourself, examine your life. How are you walking? And there's two ways that we're about to see. Uh, One makes a good use of our time, and that's walking wisely. The other is a bad use of our time, and that's unwisely. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So let's talk about what it means to walk unwisely. Uh, I believe that there are three unwise walking partners uh, who will set a pace for all sorts of disappointment and unfruitfulness in your life when you walk with them or in them. There's three walking partners that the scriptures mention that if you walk with these partners, that if you walk, this is your walking buddy, it will lead to all sorts of destruction and chaos and turmoil and pain. This is a, a trinity of brokenness. The first walking partner is the flesh. Uh, If you partner with the flesh, Paul over and over again and the scriptures over and over again says, hey, that's that's an unwise way to live. And and what is the flesh? The scriptures and, and many theologians have described the flesh as this sort of mechanism that's kind of working inside of us uh, that, that instead of pushing us towards uh, pursuing God and enjoying God is compelling us to walk in the ways that God has called us not to. Uh, These desires that rise up inside of us that crave all sorts of sinfulness and brokenness that Jesus has died to conquer. And yet something inside of us says that's more appetite. Uh, That's more satisfying. That that will satisfy my appetite. That looks more good for me. And so Paul would call this unfruitful works of darkness. And in in, in the beginning of chapter 5, he begins to really outline all of them. Uh, He says that that these unfruitful works of darkness should not even be among you. And he begins to go through this list, sexual immorality, that that pursuing uh, God's gift of sex without God's plan and boundaries will lead to all sorts of brokenness in your life. He says idolizing and coveting and, 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 and pursuing all sorts of relationships with anything or anyone that isn't God won't be life giving. It'll actually be life ending. And Paul says that, hey, don't partner with the flesh. That's such an unwise way to walk because it won't build you up. It'll actually tear you down. And in our context, I believe there's two ways that that we can walk in the flesh so subtly and not even realize it. And one, it's this idea that we rely on ourselves to get right with God. That when we take into consideration uh, 
our life. When Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, one of the first places our mind goes to is, wow, look at my life. I, I, I am not walking the way I am supposed to. Therefore, let me do everything that I can do to get right with God. Let me do everything in my own power to put sin to death and get these sort of areas in my life figured out so then God would approve of me. And it seems like it's a good idea. It seems like it's the right idea. It seems like it's coming from a pure heart, but it misses the point of grace. In that, the scriptures say there's no power within you to overcome the flesh. There is no power within you to overcome the destructive forces that wage war against God's good creation. But there is one who has overcome. There is one who is victorious. There is one who gives life and who has conquered every single sin, addiction, and brokenness that you experience and you're giving yourself over to. And he rises above it, rendering it powerless so that you can rely on that one and not yourself. And so the temptation is, I'm going to get right with God when grace says, I'm going to rely on Jesus and let Jesus come in me and through me, raise me to life the way he was raised to life. The second temptation that we experience is we rely on ourselves to be the God of our life. So maybe we're not saying like, man, let me, let me do everything in my own power to get right with God. Maybe we're just saying, I just want to be the God of my own life. Uh, I, I want to do things my way. I want to call the shots. Uh, this is what I want to do with my money. This is how I want to handle my personal time. This is how I want to uh, handle my relationships. And so it all becomes about me, 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 and doing what is right in our own eyes. And we just read what happens uh, when kings do what's right in their own eyes. Uh, it never leads to a fruitful society. It never leads to a harmonious marriage. It never leads to quality of relationships that are life-giving. Because there is no sacrifice. It's all, what can I get and what can I receive? And so instead of, being, uh, instead of letting Jesus be Lord over your life and submitting to his lordship, we become the Lord of our own life. And we want to make others submit to our plan. We want to make life submit to our plan. And we do things in such a way where it doesn't become about God's glory. It becomes about our glory. And this subtle temptation is in all of us to do things our way. And Paul says, uh, look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Because living for yourself will not make your life better. And living in such a way where you try to fix yourself won't fix anything. Rather, walk wisely, relying on God and living for him, submitting your life to his lordship, to his rule and reign, and see how different that is. Second walking partner that that we can find ourselves walking with is the world. Walking with the world. Uh, the scriptures, when it talks about the world, it's not necessarily saying like uh, planet Earth. Rather, it's referring what I like to call the scripts that life gives us that tell us to become this type of person. And we all experience this. 
Maybe moms in the room, you feel like the world has given you this script and this is the type of mom you should be so that you can be fruitful and effective and this is how your kids should, should turn out. And if your kids don't turn out this way, then there's something wrong with you. And as you begin to read this script that the world has given you and you begin to audit your life, you realize, man, there's this huge gap and all sorts of disappointment and shame comes in because you're trying to live up to a standard that God never called you to live up to. Sometimes the world hands you the script and it says, read this script. This is what it means to be beautiful. And if you can look this way and if you can dress this way and if you can act this way, then you will experience intimacy and relationships and life. People will desire you. And in that desiring, you will feel worthy. You will feel beautiful. You will feel significant. And then you begin to pursue and live out that script and realize that there's still this gap in your life and you're still unsatisfied and broken and hurting. Why? Because that's not the script that God places before you where you find worth and value and satisfaction. Maybe the world hands you this script and it says, read it. This is what it looks like to be successful. At this age, you're a homeowner and you've accomplished these things and you have a dog and a kid and property and a good credit score and all your debts paid off and everything is working well for you. And when you look at that and the world tells you that's what it means to be successful and you examine the gaps in your life, you come up extremely disappointed because you're trying to measure up to a standard that God never put on you. Partnership with the world is a bad use of our time because we'll find ourselves on this endless rat race, on this treadmill, on this never-ending cycle, trying to become something that God has already declared us to be in Christ Jesus. You are worthy. You are beautiful. Your successes aren't found in your accomplishments, but Jesus' accomplishments And who you are becoming has nothing to do with what you are producing. But who Jesus says you are, son and daughter. The third partner that we can walk with that is altogether destructive is the enemy. Willfully walking with the enemy. And this one's subtle. Because nobody in this room would say, man, my walking partner is the enemy. We put on our Sikonis and we just hit the track. We don't think like that. But we realize that, that, that but, but when we look at what it means to partner with the enemy, it's a lot more subtle than you think. Because walking and partnering with the enemy is walking in lies. The enemy is the father of lies. Where God brings truth, the enemy brings lies. And so he begins to whisper things to ourselves like, hey, you know, uh, you, you should probably, I mean, you're almost this age. You, should, you shouldn't be at this place in life. Or, hey, you're still struggling with this? I thought you would get over this by now. Or, man, these people will never be your friends or you'll never get over this. And so we begin to ruminate in these lies that the enemy begins to plant in us and we begin to walk in them as though they're truth. And instead of walking with God, we're walking with lies. Another way that we walk with the enemy is by willfully walking in disobedience. Where the highest privilege that we have in Christians is being obedient to God because in being obedient to God, we become more like him and we experience him more intimately as we're made aware of him and and walking with him. And walking in disobedience is willfully saying, uh, my way of living is better. And so if the scriptures say to do that, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. 
I'm going to be with whoever and whenever I want. I'm going to uh, let anger and rage drive me. I'm going to be prideful and willfully not serve others. And so instead of walking in obedience, whatever it is that God has called us to be obedient to, we walk in disobedience. We willfully say, God, I would rather walk with someone else than you. Before you know it, we're partnering with the enemy's plan for our life, which is to not walk with God, but just to walk with anyone or anything that isn't him. Walking in fear, walking in lies, walking in uh, what we discussed earlier, the unfruitful works of darkness. And, And there is a temptation to walk in this way. We all experience this. We all feel this. And you know this, that when you walk with the enemy, that when you walk with the world, that when you walk in the flesh, that it only leads to disappointment, that it only leads to unfruitfulness, and it only leads to more brokenness in our life. And Paul says, look carefully. Examine your life moment by moment, day by day. Who are you walking in with and what are you walking in? Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of our time because holding on to unfruitful works of darkness will lead to a forfeited inheritance with God. Walking with something or anyone else will remove us from walking with God. And why do we do it? We do it because we're hurt. We do it because we're bored. We do it because we're unsatisfied, we're addicted, whatever it is. Listen, church, there's good news for you. The gospel brings freedom. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings freedom. And so how do we make the best use of our time? Where is this freedom experienced? It's experienced walking with the triune God. The best use of our time is walking with the trying God. Uh, So let's talk about walking wisely. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. So walking wisely. So walking unwisely is walking with, uh, in partnership with the flesh, in partnership with the world, in partnership with the enemy. Then I would say walking wisely means walking with the triune God, with walking in the fear of the Lord, walking in, and walking under grace. And so we're going to run through those. Walking with the triune God. We have an incredible walking partner. One who is with us always and is inside of us. The triune God. Uh, we walk with the Father. What does this mean? We walk as sons and daughters. Uh, this means that you don't have to do anything to earn love, to earn grace, to earn approval. Rather, God looks at you and says, that's my son, that's my daughter, I delight in them. And he pushes away all the scripts the world would ever give you and say, there's only one thing, faith in Jesus. That's it. Your faith in me, welcome home. There's no need to earn. There's no need to become. We are already his. We are sons and daughters. Walking with the Son, what does that mean? We walk with Jesus with the goal of becoming more like Jesus. And so we follow the example of Christ and we become disciples of him as we submit our life to his lordship, to his rule and reign. We say, man, there's a temptation in me to do things my own way, but Lord, I want to submit to your way. I want you to be the king of my life. And so when we feel this desire to give ourselves over to not partnering with him, we come to King Jesus and we say, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? 
How should I live? And we walk with the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. We walk with the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we walk with God, and God is inside of us. That the Spirit of God is inside of us. Church, the Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead is inside of you, resurrecting all these parts of your life that feel barren and broken and making a river through the desert and a way in the wilderness. Spirit of God is inside of us. So we walk with the triune God. We walk in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It it seems so. uh, Is there a contradiction here? What what does this mean? Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? Well, when we discuss this idea of fear of the Lord um, in this ancient context, it, it sort of means reverence. It means respect. It means awe. And this sort of awe that would move you in terror because you would experience the vastness and the greatness of God. Uh, I I don't want to compare God to the Grand Canyon. I'm not going to do that. But when I visited the Grand Canyon for the first time, I was overcome with fear. I was overcome with awe and respect. And then terror rose inside of me because I'm like, I could fall in that. Where's the railing? If you've ever been to certain parts, there's no railing. And so there's something that overcomes you, that you're moved by beauty, that you're moved by awe, that moves you to reverence and terror. And it's a good one. It's not a restrictive one. It's not a a begrudging, hey, submit to me because I'm a, a, a dictator and scary and fearful. Rather, you're captivated by the beauty of God, by the bigness of God by the wonder and splendor and awesomeness of who Jesus is, that something arises in your heart that moves you to reverence and obedience. This is the fear of the Lord. It means to walk in continual reverence and awe and awareness of him. Uh, To walk in this continual awareness that God oversees every single detail of your life and is involved in every single breath you take and has called you son and daughter and has sent his son to live for you and has sent his spirit to live inside of you. Walking with this awareness will lead to wisdom. This leads to reverent submission to his lordship as we recognize that Jesus is the authority of our life. I uh, saw this video, and it was this guy who was dressed up like Elvis, and somebody questioned him on the street and says, hey, what's the secret to to life? And this guy's like, there's no secret. Quit disobeying the Almighty. (laughs) And it was funny because uh, when you you see it, you wouldn't have put these two together. It's just like this Elvis impersonator talking about uh, Jesus. And there's, there's something there, church. That, that as, we, as we give ourselves over to reverent lordship submission to God, we experience this higher quality of life. We experience joy. We experience life with him. This is a wise way to live because it leads to life. Walking with Jesus, you will become more like Jesus. But if we're going to walk with him, it's according to his standards and not our own. It means that we submit our lives to King Jesus and lay down the crown of control that we fight to keep. We walk with the triune God. We walk in the fear of the Lord. 
and we walk under grace. Because the Father sent the Son, and the Son sent the Spirit, you and I can walk under grace. This means that when you walk under grace, you walk as a recipient of God's love, not an earner. That when you walk with him, you receive the blessings and the provision that he's died to put inside of you and give you and inherit, not as someone who has to earn it. And as you receive this love, it forms you. As you receive this love, it shapes you. And this means that your best efforts or your worst efforts don't matter as much as his effort and his work to save you, to rescue you, to sustain you. When we walk under grace, we make a good use of our time. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. But if we're being honest, church, if we consider our lives and you take a moment to look carefully, we feel like there's this gap in our life. We feel like we're wasting time and we're wasting life Uh, We feel this way because it seems like we've walked with God and we've come up disappointed. Seems like you've tried walking with the Lord and you're still walking in hurt. You're still walking in pain. You're still walking in addiction. And it seems like you've walked with friends who love Jesus, but they've hurt you. You've walked under leaders who have ended up letting you down and caused emotional pain. And it seems like every step you take with Jesus feels like you're taking 10 steps, 10 steps back. And there's this gap between who God has called us to be and the life that we're experiencing. And it seems like this gap, this chasm is so big that we find ourselves asking, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it to try to follow Jesus if I do everything seems to go wrong? Is it even worth it to follow Jesus if it seems like there's so much ground I have to make up? And when we look at our lives, there's this gap between walking wisely and in the unwise life that we're living in. But here's the good news of the kingdom of God, that the gaps are good. In the kingdom of God, the gaps are not bad. This gap between where I am and who God has called me to be, this gap between where you find yourself this morning and all that God has made available for you to walk in is not bad. They are good because they are there to remind us that there is one who can bridge the gap between where we are and who God is calling us to be. If you feel this gap in your life between where you are in your walk with God and where you want to be, there is good news. God uses that to remind you that there is one who we rely on to help us cross this bridge, to help us bridge this gap. They are there to show us that there is one person who can fill the gaps because he has no gaps in his life. This person was perfectly obedient at all times. This person perfectly walked with the Father under grace in the fear of the Lord never partnered with the flesh, never partnered with the enemy, never partnered with the world. This person did not waste their time and he did not waste his life. The good news of the kingdom of God, church, is that under this new covenant, wisdom 
and life is not predicated on experiences. It's predicated on knowing Christ and being with Christ and in Christ. Uh, This means that you don't have to go look for life. This means that you don't have to go fix yourself. This doesn't mean you have to bridge the gap and try to figure out who you're walking with and who you're not walking with and all these extracurricular activities to try to get right with God. All you have to do is be with Jesus and build your life around him. This is why Paul says in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, as we come to a close, uh, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God, one that pleased God. Jesus didn't waste his life. He gave it up for you and I. Jesus did not waste his time. He used it for you and I so that we could take on his life, so that we could become sons and daughters, so that we could become temples that house the presence of God inside of us. This is why why Paul says in verse 14, Awake, O sleeper. Are you sleeping to this truth? Is this truth absent in your heart? Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The story for followers of Jesus is that Christ is with us and in us, rewriting an entirely different experience for life that will shape us and form us for our good and his glory. And because he is with us, church, because he is in us, you don't have to go looking. All we have to do is walk with him in obedience to his word, in the practice of his presence through prayer, with the great assembly of the saints in every area and aspect of life. Walking with the triune God is the best use of your time, is the best use of my time, is the best use of our time. Are you looking for freedom? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for life? Look no further than the person of Christ, the embodiment of wisdom and what it means to walk wisely. As we close in prayer, let's come and worship him as we order our life around the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, I praise you that we don't have to go Walking towards you, you have walked towards us. Lord, I praise you that walking with you isn't this sort of checklist of like, I need to do this and do that and get this done or that done. Uh, Rather, it's just simply being with you, enjoying you, living with you, receiving your love. And as we receive your love and we receive your grace and we receive your mercy, become more like you. So maybe uh, I want to take a a moment to uh, do what Paul said. Look carefully. As you look carefully at your life, who are you walking with or what are you walking in? Walking in partnership with the flesh. Would you repent and ask Jesus to come teach you to walk with him? walking in partnership with the world would you come would you ask the spirit to come and remove this script that you're trying to align your life with and ask him to show you who you really are and who who you are becoming in Christ Jesus
walking in partnership with the enemy. You find yourself gripped by lies and pursuing disobedience. Would you repent and ask the Lord to remind you of his truth and presence that is with you? Lord, I praise you that this new covenant is under grace. This new covenant is about being with you and enjoying you and walking with you. It's not about earning, it's about receiving. And so this moment, we just posture ourselves to receive, to receive your love, to receive your power, to receive your wisdom, to receive your truth. Lord, thank you that we have freedom in Christ Jesus and that Jesus has bridged this gap for us so that we don't have to make something of ourselves. We can just find life by being with you. In Jesus' name.